Alrighty, good morning, Facebook. Good morning, Facebook. Uh, we guys are letting y'all in on our Bible study uh, this morning, and we just uh, gave everybody a minute to get on. We've got our coffee made. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee because it's awesome. I'm just playing. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna talk about um, Jesus uh, today with John chapter 14, 15, and chapter 16, and talking about basically how the Father is the difference. Father, The Father is everything. And so uh, it's going to be awesome. We're just going to pray real quick. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for this morning. We thank you, Father, for your amazing word. We thank you, Father, for your life-changing word. And we thank you, Father, that no matter what it is, we'll be able to hear the word of God, we'll be able to receive the word of God, and we'll be able to let it change our lives. Um, and I thank you, Father, um, that it doesn't matter how hard it is to swallow. We're gonna, we are gonna swallow the Word of God and let it change and revolutionize our lives. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody, go to your your book, the uh, Bible, John chapter fourteen. Uh, we're just gonna talk about a bunch of truths in here, man. Uh, and and I'm basically gonna do everybody justice today by reading through John fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. And, uh, which that might seem like a lot of reading, but to be honest with you, it's really hard because what, what happens is people, they preach, uh, they preach one verse sometimes and they don't know what the context is. They don't know what, what the purpose is because they don't read everything. They just read one verse or they Google something and say, man, I have a belief and I want something that'll back up what I believe. And then they'll Google the verse and then they'll have that one verse trying to back up what they believe. And the truth is, it's not very good sound teaching. We've got to read the entire Bible. We've got to read the entire Bible in, in its context. And we have to um, really get the heart behind it. We have to discern the Word of God with the Word of God. Okay? You cannot base the Word of God off of your experience. You have to base the Word of God based off the Word of God. And that's it. You know? Uh, you know, sometimes we go off our experience and we say, well, in my experience, this is happening. And the truth is our experience means nothing. You know, uh, there are people that they have a bad experience that's not God's will simply because they didn't operate in faith. And so then they build faith based off of their experience, which is very bad news, man, because not everything that happens is God's will. And, and so if not everything that happens is God's will, and, and we know that that's the case anyway. That not everything happens is God's will, uh, because I mean, if you just want to look at uh, Peter, you know, he's walking on water. You know, God, Jesus tells him, "Come walk out on water." You know, and he gets on the water, and all of a sudden he starts to sink. You know, well, that's not God's will that Peter sinks. It was God's will that Peter would walk on the water. Why? Why not? Because Jesus told him to come out. Jesus didn't say, "Oh well, I messed up. Shouldn't ask you to come out in the water." Oh, I made a big screw up. I'm sorry. Only I can do that. He didn't do that. <laughs> he said, okay, Peter, come out on the water. And when he got on the water, then he started sinking. And it was not because it wasn't God's will. It's because Peter lost focus. You know, Peter, instead of focusing uh, his faith on Jesus and on what Jesus had told him to do and believing the word that he heard, he started looking at his experience and started getting fearful and started to doubt and question, okay? And it was because of that questioning and that doubting that he started to sink. 
And now he started slipping away from the perfect will of Jesus in that moment. You see what I'm saying? If it was Jesus' will for him to sink, he would have just let him sink. You know? <laughs> and, and, and then Jesus, Peter says, hey, help me out. So he picks him up. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So <clears throat> we've got to remember that not everything that happens is God's will. And we can't base off our base our, our faith off the experience that we have simply because we had a bad experience. We have to base our faith off the word of God and off of God's character, and that's it. You know, and that's gonna change and revolutionize our lives, you know. Um and there's multiple multiple occasions, you know, in the scriptures where things happen that wasn't God's perfect will, you know. Um I mean for instance the boy with epilepsy. When Jesus said, ah, oh, the boy with epilepsy, you know, they said, well, why couldn't we cast him out? It wasn't because it wasn't God's will that that they shouldn't be able to cast out the demon. Jesus said, it's because of your little faith, you know. And so here's what we have to do. We have to, faith is not hard. It's not something that you have to, if faith is not by works, it's not like you have to strive so hard for this, you know. What faith is, is simple. It's simply believing that what Jesus said was true. And, and what, what it is, is it's when we put ourselves aside. We've got to stop resisting what Jesus says, and we have to start embracing what Jesus says, and that's faith. It's simple, you know, and, and that's all it is, man. Faith is humility. Faith is submission to God. Faith is saying, I don't understand what's going on, but Jesus says this. My experience says this, but Jesus says this. There's giants in the land, but God said I have the land. You know what I mean? we look with our experience only and we determine with our experience only and uh, what our doctrine is then it messes everything up you know and faith doesn't come by seeing either you know I remember when I first started believing in healing I go out in the mission field and I saw people get healed and I just doubted you know because the word of God is what brings faith not actual um, experience if I go <laughs> experience never brings faith I mean an experience can be a manifested word Right? Jesus was the manifested word. Right? We experienced Jesus. We witnessed Jesus. All right? So a testimony of what God did is a manifested word that was spoken before it happened. Okay? And so when the word became flesh, that experience was something to testify about, which is why we talk about miracles. Because if I don't share about miracles, then other people won't have faith because miracles the experience itself does not create faith, but it's the word behind the miracle. It's the word that God does heal. And so then the guy got healed, and now I'm telling you about how God's word became manifested. It's still faith in the word, not in the experience. Make sense? Faith in the word that became manifest. Not the experience itself. The experience doesn't create faith. The experience was a manifested word. It was the word of God that made you believe. And so many people, they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel, and if I have to, I'll use words. Man, that's, that's such a big cop-out. That's such a big cop-out, man. Jesus says, uh, Paul says in the scriptures, he says, how can they believe if they do not hear? And how can they hear if we don't send a preacher? Everybody's called to preach the gospel. Everybody's called to make disciples. You can't make disciples by, by, um, by just living right. You can't, what I mean by that is, um, you're not going to make a disciple of Jesus by feeding a homeless person. I can go feed a homeless person, what to do? But if I never mention the name of Jesus, what was the point in feeding the homeless guy? You know what I'm saying? I, look, I've got to go out and 
and love on people and show, you know, let my good work shine before men, those scripture says, so they might give glory to God. Well, if they don't hear about God while I'm doing the good works, what was the point? You know what I'm saying? See, Jesus is the one who sent me. So whenever Jesus went and did the works, the signs and wonders he did, he preached the kingdom of the Father. He preached the kingdom of God. As he went, he healed the sick and said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he would go and heal the sick, and then he would repent, He would preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would do and say, he would do and say. We can't just think that all our, our job is to just go and do. It's doing and saying. Because faith comes by hearing, not watching. Okay? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Why? Why do I know this? Because there's going to be bad experiences. You're going to pray for somebody, and the person is not going to get healed. Then what? That doesn't change the word of God. You know? So you can't look at your experience and say, well, yeah, man. Um, it must not be God's will. The word of God stands true no matter what my experience is. Period. All right? So we're going to go on John chapter 14. Uh, we're just going to basically go through some truths, man, that people have a hard time with. A bunch of truths that people have a hard time with. You know, like heaven. People don't believe in heaven. You know? So, probably we're going to make a ton of people mad uh, out there on Facebook or in the world because I'm just going to preach the gospel, man. And it's going to offend worldly people. It probably will offend uh, religious people. Um, and so, I'm pretty much going to, you know, step on everybody's toes. So, that's okay, though, because I'm not really afraid about what people think. I'm really more afraid of what God says. And, and I'm going to have to give an account for, before God on Judgment Day for everything I say. And so I, I'm required. When you hear the truth, you are now a witness. Once you know the truth, you are now a witness. It's required of you to preach the gospel. If you are hearing the gospel over and over again and you don't go out there and preach the gospel, then you're not being a good witness. You know, people want to blame. This is just, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to say this. People want to blame our government. Okay. They want to blame the government for all the problems, okay? And the government's not the problem. We live in a democracy, man, where everybody votes. If you have, if you go and vote, sometimes we don't vote, but everybody has the opportunity to go vote. Look, the reason why, what we keep praying for is, oh, let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray that they come to know Jesus. You know what the problem with that is? is they got elected by people that don't know Jesus. You can't pray for the leader to come to know Jesus if the voters don't know Jesus. So everybody who knows Jesus, that's not going out and preaching the gospel every single day, you're being a bad steward of what God's given you. And you need to question your own Christianity. Because the, the, the parable of the talent says that he who took the one talent and buried it in the sand... Okay, that whenever he, when the master came back, he said, "Show me that parable." I mean, show me that talent. And he showed him the talent, and he goes, "What'd you do with it?" Well, I was afraid, so I hid it. Well, that's what we do, man. We hear the gospel, we're afraid to preach the gospel, so we hide it. Jesus says that, that man was cast with the sinners, man. He didn't inherit eternal life, you know. Jesus says we will recognize them by the fruit. So if we go out there and we're not, we don't have no fruit to show. Chances are we're not even disciples, okay? Look, if, if you know the truth and you're not out sharing the gospel, and I'm sorry, people are going to say right away, they're going to say, well, that's not my gifting. That is just a bunch of baloney. Look, if you know Jesus, you've been given Jesus. 
And the scripture says, freely you've been given, freely you should give. So if you've been given Jesus, you have something to give, period. It's not, it, the gospel is not a gifting. Preaching the gospel is not a gifting. Preaching the gospel is love. If I love people and I don't want them to go to hell when they die, I'm going to preach the gospel. You know? But people are afraid. But perfect love casts out fear. And Jesus says that if I love people, then, I, then I'll love God. But if I don't love people, then I don't really love God. So perfect love casts out all fear. So if I'm fearful of sharing the gospel, then the truth is I just don't love them. Because the love of Christ compels me, the scripture says. If the love of Christ compels me, I'll go out there and preach the gospel. And it won't matter what happens to me. You know, and Jesus says, if they hated me, they hate you. And we're going to talk about that today. But we're called to preach the gospel, man. We go out and preach the gospel. It's, it's not a gifting. It's a commandment. It's not a gifting. That's a commandment. You know, the gift of the evangelist, all that. He's actually, it says in that, in that passage that these, these callings, these five fold ministry, these guys, they're, they're there to equip the saints for the good works of God. So the evangelist, all he is, is a teacher of evangelism. He equips the body to go do evangelism. An evangelist doesn't do all the work. An evangelist equips the called, which is the saints. The saints are the, are the Christians. Every Christian is a called person by God. Every person who belongs to the body of Christ is called by God. If it was all about you going to heaven when you die, then you would ask Jesus in your heart, and then you just drop dead right then and go to heaven. But you're, you've been left here on purpose, for a purpose, and that purpose is to reach the world for the gospel. The gospel of what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of, of the Father. So that's what we're going to talk about. John chapter 14, verse 12, or 2. I'm just going to start reading, man. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I, I'm sorry. I have something else to say about the government thing. If you want to change the government, then you have to change the citizens. So why don't we stop praying for our leaders to be saved, and why don't we start preaching the gospel? To our neighbor. Just to our neighbor. If everybody would go preach the gospel to three people a day, and three or to just one person a day got saved, started coming to church to get discipled, our nation would be transformed. Why do we keep on praying for revival when we are the revival? We are the revival. We are the revival. The revival is just shut up behind our heart and behind our mouth. The revival is in you. The revival is in you. The problem is you're not letting it out. It's in you. The problem is you're not letting it out. Quit praying for revival and just be the revival. We are the revival. You know, the only revival you need is inside your own heart. Because if you got revived, you couldn't shut up. You couldn't shut up. If the revival happened inside your own heart, you would get out there and preach the gospel till the sun went down every day. It would never stop. If you really knew what was going to happen, if you really believed your Bible that people were dying and going to hell, then why would you sit down on your butt all day and not go preach the gospel? If you really believe that people were dying, do you really want look at your neighbor and look at them and say, man, could I imagine them burning in hell forever? You know? Hell's a real place. 
full of people that don't need to go there, man. They don't have to go there. Nobody has to go to hell. We're already condemned because of our sin, but Jesus Christ came and set us free from our sin. He died on the cross to set us free. We don't have to go to hell, man. We don't have to go to hell. Why isn't that good news? Why isn't that good enough news to talk about, man? Why, why am I more interested in what's on my phone on Facebook? <laughs> why, am I, why am I more interested in what's happening in Dallas with, with um, police officers dying? Why am I more interested in what's happening with Black Lives Matter? You know, I saw a post the other day, all lives matter because Jesus Christ paid for them all. You know, like why, why am I so concerned with all this junk, man? Like the only, look, I don't care what kingdom I'm under. Well, I don't care what government I'm under. If I was in China in prison for the gospel, or if I'm in uh, Costa Rica, or if I'm in Brazil, or if I'm in Africa, or if I'm in um, America, I don't care what the government is. None of them are my boss anyway. Jesus is my boss. He's my king. I'm, I'm not of this world. You're not of this world. If you know Jesus, you're not of this world. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God, and the rules don't apply. We have different rules. Our rules surpass their rules. Our Supreme Court is way above our the Supreme Court in our nation. So here's the thing. we got to stop getting wrapped up in all of our political crap. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say crap. Sorry. I just got passionate for a minute there. we got to get stop all that junk, man. All that political junk, it's unnecessary. If we would just stop watching the news for two hours and we'll go on the street and preach the gospel for two hours. If you would stop being on your phone for three hours, looking at Facebook for three hours, worrying and fretting about everything that's going on, we'll just get out there and preach the gospel for those three hours. Instead of complaining about the problem, be the solution to the problem. Go out there and preach the gospel, man. Go out there and preach the gospel. Tell everybody about Jesus. Because if Jesus is Lord over Black Lives Matter, then they'll stop shooting people. If Jesus is Lord over cops dressed in blue, then they'll stop beating up black people. If Jesus is Lord, then everything changes, man. He's the solution to everything. Why do we have to keep on sitting here and thinking that we have to vote different legislations and different issues with our politics and junk like that? That's not the answer, man. Jesus is the answer. If we could just get Jesus in people's hearts, then those people would stop acting like fools. They would start acting like Jesus and be a fool for Jesus. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't stop, man. If we could introduce people to Jesus, this is why it's so important to go out and preach the gospel with signs and wonders. Because now they have no excuse. You know? Man. Man, I got a rampage there. I'm telling you what, we got a purpose to do. We got to get out there and go preach the gospel. And we got to stop worrying about <coughs> all this stuff, man. We're not of this world. We belong to a whole nother government. If we would get busy preaching the gospel every single day of our life. We got busy preaching the gospel. Every, if every single Christian that actually cared about our government, that actually cared about the problems, would, would stop spending all their time fretting and worrying and about all the government and the politics and who's going to be in charge and who's going to be in president. And if everybody would just stop that, if they would just stop that and focus 
and stop focusing on their experience and stop focusing on their surroundings and would just start focusing on Jesus, Jesus would tell you one thing. He wouldn't tell you anything except go and preach the gospel. We have one assignment before Jesus left, right before he left. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have one mission in our life. And the devil just wants to create all this hate and stuff. Look, Jesus is all about love. The Father is love. God 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 is love. Why are, what, if we knew the love of the Father, the hate would be gone. If you knew the love of the Father, you would forgive. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. I'm not going to preach on what I said I was going to preach on. I, I'm not going to get there. I'll preach on this tomorrow or something. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners... Love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Why? Because Jesus paid the highest price. And there's a million people out there. There's a billion people out there that are just going to throw away the gift that Jesus gave them. He died for them. That didn't expect anything in return. Jesus was a free giver, man. He was generous. He never expected anything back. He just loved and he died. And he ex and if you do decide to follow them, then he does expect you to give everything. But before that, he died for you before you could afford anything. It's an even exchange. He gives his life. And if you want to take part in his promises, then you give your life. And if you want to follow Jesus, you got to do what Jesus says right here. Love your enemies and do good. So somebody, somebody does something wrong to you. Somebody beats you up. What are you, you're going to go love them. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're not going to strike back. Come on. Expect nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over with, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Listen, if you're like, yeah, that guy's a hypocrite over there, then you're the hypocrite. People are like, man, all them hypocrites at church. All them hypocrites at church, man. Look, 
If you're if you keep if you're the one talking about hypocrites, then you're the hypocrite. Cause you look, here's what people do, man. They don't want to go to the gym. Like, like seriously, people don't go. They don't want to go to church because of the hypocrites in church. That's the most bogus, stupid reason I ever heard for not going to church. Would, would you go to? Would you stop going to the gym just because there's fat people there? No, because you go to the gym to lose your fat. But guess what? When you go to the gym, there's going to be fat people there. I'm not trying to be insensitive to people who are overweight. Please forgive me if I if I'm being if I'm saying something that hurts people's feelings. That's not my intention behind this. I'm just trying to make a point. We don't go to the gym and then stop going to the gym just because there's overweight people there, you know? We don't go to church. We don't stop going to church just because there's messed up people at church. We are messed up. Well, I go to the, I go to the gym because I'm overweight. I go to the gym because I need help. I go to church because I need help. I go to church because I know there's people at church that are going to build me up and help me and pick me back up when I fall down. That's the point of church, not to beat each other up. That's what that's saying right here. If you're going to church and they're just beating you down, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you being insecure when you walk into church. Because I'll tell you what, I go into the gym and I feel insecure. And I feel like everybody's looking at me and judging me because I don't have a great looking body. So then I stop going to the gym because I'm self-conscious. Self-consciousness is not the same thing as your brothers judging you. If you walk into the church and you feel condemned because of the sin that you use in your life, it's not other people judging you. It's your own self-consciousness. You are becoming aware of your sin. Don't mistake in that as, the, as believers judging you. Because I guarantee you, everybody there is struggling with something, man. And they're not trying to condemn you. Uh, people go to the go to the gym. Most of the people in the gym are not looking at you and making fun of you. <laughs> look at him; he's overweight. He doesn't look handsome. And he's not like that. It's not the people in the gym are like. There are there are a few that are like that, but the vast majority of the people at the gym have one common goal, and that's to start making their bodies look good. So they already all know the struggle. So when you come into the room, they're gonna help you if you just ask questions. You go into the gym, everybody's like, "Hey, dude, let me just help you out, man. I can give you some tips and pointers." But most people, they come in, they feel insecure. And so they feel like everybody else is judging them. When the truth is, nobody's judging them. You're judging yourself for the first time and you don't like it. But that's the sin in the garden. When, when, when God came into the garden and there was Adam. And he's, where are you, Adam? I hid because I was naked. He was hiding because he was self-conscious. But God's always looking for the lost. Adam was lost. Adam, where are you? He was hiding. He was ashamed of his sin. That's what happens, man. We start running from God because we're ashamed of what we did. God is not condemning us anymore. He died for us to set us free from condemnation. He loves us. You are truly, if you are in Jesus Christ, if you've received the free gift of eternal life, then you are set free from condemnation. You can no longer be condemned. And no man can condemn you. No person is the judge. God is the only judge. And so I have to ask myself, am I right with God? Is that why I feel the way I'm feeling? Or am I just feeling that way because I'm self-conscious? Is it really because of people? Probably not. 
But if I stop going to church all of a sudden, because those people are hypocrites, then the chances are I'm probably the hypocrite. The devil is one in your life. He wants to take you out so that you'll stop being a blessing to the people at church. He wants to take you out of the gym so you'll stop, so you won't ever have an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody who's coming in that's trying to lose weight. You know? Discouragement, defeat. That is lack of faith. That's hypocrisy. When I'm not in church because I'm offended with other believers, then I'm a hypocrite. Because if I, the Bible says, why not be defrauded? My good brother over here keeps saying that verse. It's a good one. Why not be defrauded? Why not be taken advantage of? That's what this scripture says right here. If you can't do this, then you don't know bare Christianity. This is bare Christianity right here. This is bare bones Christianity right here, man. But love your enemies and do good to them. Why is this bare bone Christianity? Because Jesus Christ died for his enemies. He came and died for you, even while you were still a sinner. Even while you were enemies of God, Christ died for you anyway. He, lo he loved you and he died for you even though you were all messed up. He loved you so much to come into you. It's just, no matter, it doesn't matter what you did. God loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll take it as far as the east as from the west. And he'll throw your sin into a sea, of to, to a sea of forgetfulness. He won't even remember, you know. And we, as Christians, if we're supposed to be the image of God, we're supposed to do the same thing. When Jesus looks, when the, when the people of the world look at you and you keep holding people's sin against them, then you're not emulating Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean I'm not supposed to go and look, if my brother's sinning, the Bible says I should go to my brother and tell him when he's wrong. Why? Because I love him and I don't want his sin to take over his life and mess it up. That's, that's, watch this. This is so awesome. <clears throat> but then people are like, oh, well, don't judge me. Oh, don't judge me. I'm telling you what, dude. That's just, <clears throat> listen. Can I, it says, it says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye when you're yourself do not, do not see the log that's in your own eye. So we're talking about the people who are judging the people at the church. Oh, they're hypocrites over there. Well, the, the guy who's saying that is the hypocrite because the truth is he has sin in his life that he's ashamed of, that he doesn't want to go be confronted about at church. Because when you go to church, you're going to be confronted by people if they love you. And you don't want to be exposed. So you don't go to church because you don't want to be exposed. Well, the Bible says that somebody who loves their sin will hide in darkness and they hate the light. We go to church because the light's going to be shown on my life. Why? Because I hate my sin. And when I go to church... If I have sin, I want it to be exposed. Because I'm not, I, I, I'm ashamed of my sin and the fact that I don't ever want to go back. But I'm not ashamed of my sin because I know what Jesus did for me. So I'm not even ashamed to talk about my sin amongst my brothers. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. He took it away anyway. I'm talking about it so I can get set free from it. James says, confess your sins one to another so you might be healed. So I come with no shame. There's a shame, but there's not a shame. There's a shame in the fact that I don't want to have anything to do with my sin. I hate my sin. But then there's a no shame in the fact that I'm not ashamed to talk about my sin because I know that I'm not condemned because Jesus paid it all. He paid the price to get me set free from my sin. So I go to my brothers and I tell them what's going on in boldness and confidence because I'm not ashamed anymore. Not because I want to keep doing this sin, but because I want it to be exposed so I can stop it.
You see what I'm saying? But people who love their sin, they're going to stay outside the church. They're not going to come into church. And they're going they're, to, to get the light off of them, they're going to point the finger over at the people at the church. Oh, those guys are hypocrites. <laughs> Truth is, they just don't want to be exposed. You know? It's good stuff. Look, I'm not afraid of being exposed. I remember seven years ago when I was struggling heavily in pornography. I would go apply for a job, ask for for youth ministry job, and in the interview, I told the guys I struggle with pornography. The reason why was because I'm not ashamed because Jesus took away my shame. But I wasn't going to sit here and pretend that I didn't have a problem either, and then let it come and eat me alive and destroy the work of the ministry. Why? Because I love kids. I love people. So I didn't want my problem to become a problem to somebody else. So I exposed my problem. I don't even know what those people thought about me. They never called me back. So people can say, oh, well, they judged you. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, see, I'm not condemned anyway. Jesus Christ paid the price for me. And his opinion about me is the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. It doesn't matter what the church says about me. It doesn't matter what the unbeliever says about me. The only thing that matters is what God says about me. I'm only going amongst other believers because they help me to hold accountable. They help hold me accountable to doing the right thing. You know, we uh, we sharpen each other, man. <clears throat> Look, people don't want to come to church because church is the dissection table. That's <laughs> a surgery. You go in here and you're going to get worked on. You get cut open. Everything's going to be exposed. You're going to take all this weakness out, tie you back up and sew you back up and put you back together again. People don't want to do that. People are afraid of surgery. They would much rather die with their disease than go through surgery. Same thing with the spirit, man. People, they would much rather just die in their sin, go to hell, instead of come to church and get set free. You know? It's good stuff. So watch this. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, take me, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself don't see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Listen, that passage right there is not talking about how you shouldn't judge. It's saying how you should judge yourself first. When you judge yourself first, then you will see clearly so that you can help your brother. Why? Because it is not love. I'll say it again. It is not love to ignore the speck in your brother's eye. There's a speck in his eye. Why wouldn't you offer to flush it out, you hateful brother? Oh, I don't want to point out his sin. I don't want to hurt his feelings. The truth sets you free. Quit lying. Man. The truth sets you free. The love of God escorts the truth of God. If I truly love I don't care what happens to me. If I come to you and talk to you about an issue of speck in your eye because I love you and you want to come attack me, it's okay because, see, I love you and I want the best for you. And if you want to attack me, it's no big deal. If you want to yell and scream and throw a big fit, that's okay because I love you and I'm here to help you. And I'm not going to sit here and get offended because somebody else got offended because I talked about their speck. 
No, I'm just going to keep preaching the truth. And I don't care what it costs me. Jesus Christ was the truth. He was the cost. He paid the price. He was the price. He was the price that cost. He was the price of truth. He was the cost of truth. Jesus is the cost of truth. He's called me to follow him. <coughs> so I'm going to preach the truth no matter what it costs. Because it costs Jesus everything. And if I'm following Jesus, this is going to cost me everything. If you're following Jesus, the truth is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. Everything. The truth costs you everything. But the truth will set you free. <laughs> the truth always leads to the grave. But the truth cannot stay in the grave. The truth has to rise again. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. The truth itself died, went into the ground, or into the tomb, and it couldn't stay there because the truth was always destined to go into death and conquer death. You are called to truth, and the truth will always lead you to death, but it will always lead to resurrection. We live a victorious life, a victorious life. Whatever I put my hands to, I will prosper. But if they hated Jesus, they will hate me. And I will be so prosperous that even if I'm killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will be resurrected. You can't kill me. I'm already dead. You can't kill me. I'm coming back. If you kill me, I'm coming back. It may be the next day. It may be the day after that. Or it may be a thousand years from now, but I'm coming back. Man, we're, we, we've got to realize who we are in Jesus, man. That nothing can stop what God has set forth. And we are just an instrument of God. And there's no point in living except for the gospel. There's no point in living except for the gospel. If I had a million dollars and 20 mansions and I own my own island and a yacht, I would die and it would all go away. What good is it to benefit the whole world, to gain the whole world and lose my soul? All that stuff's going away. But if I'm, if I'm preaching the gospel, it will never end. The kingdom of God will never be shaken. The kingdom of God will never fade away. That's something worth living for, man. <coughs> so once I see the law gets in my and I judge myself, then I now can judge clearly. Now I can see clearly and I can judge others in love. I'm not talking about judging in condemnation because, see, Jesus is the one who comes back. I never thought Jesus would never condemn. That's a lie. When Jesus comes back, he's condemning everybody who doesn't know him. Look I, look, I believe in preaching the whole truth and nothing but the whole truth. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it, right? But when he comes back, the rules are changed. Right now, we're in a moment, in a time of grace. Grace has been, this is the spirit that we live in right now. No condemnation in Christ. 
So I'm going to go preach the gospel of no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. But I'm telling you what, if you don't receive the good news, there's only one thing left, and that's bad news. <coughs> it's like Morpheus in the, in the Matrix. you got the red pill and the blue pill. There's only two options, man. If you pick the red pill, then that's where you're going. If you pick the blue pill, that's where you're going. <coughs> so Jesus has got his hands open like this. I got good news, and I got bad news. I got good news, and I got bad news. The bad news is, you're a sinner, and you're destined to hell. But the good news is, I paid the price to buy you back from your pit. Which do you want? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna pick this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick, you know, I, the bad news because I don't like Jesus. Why, why wouldn't you like Jesus if he, if he paid your debt? See, people don't understand the good news. They just think that Jesus has come to condemn them. Look, that's that very thought right there is gonna get them condemned anyway. They're already condemned. You're already condemned, man. You're, you're already in a pit. Jesus just came and threw a rope down. And what happened was people he threw the rope down and people were down in the pit. And they're like, what are you what are you saying? Do we need help out of this hole? I can't believe you'd say that about me. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> but you've been down there since you were born. You didn't know there was a place outside this hole. All you know is the pit. You're sitting in the pit. It's all you know. It's no, the pit. That's all I know. Hey, I'm comfortable in this place, man. I don't want to get out of this place. Oh, there's a rope. What is this, man? Oh, you. I can get out of this pit. This is all I know. So, yeah, why do we get mad with new Christians? Remember, they come out of the pit, and all they know is the pit. That's all I know is the pit. They don't know any better. So we need to just love them. They don't know any better. They don't know anything about the outside world. All they know is prison. And they don't know any better. But Jesus Christ, he's throwing up the line. Look, dude, you're in a pit. Hey, dude, you're in a pit. Let me tell you. Look, do you know what a pit is? You don't know what a pit is because it's all you know. You do know what a pit is. It's everything you're experiencing right now. Hey, dude, come on out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. Here, just take the rope, man. I'll pull you out. Okay, when they get up here, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> I'm getting out of the pit. Well, when you get up here, it's not going to be easy. You come out here, it's going to be tough. I'm just going to let you know right now. But guess what? You won't be in the pit anymore. <laughs> Dude, come on. Jesus is calling us out of the pit. But everybody wants to stay in the pit. No, nah, I don't want to get out of this pit. I like this pit. You know? They don't know. It's the only choice, man. You only have one choice. Up or stay. You're not picking between heaven and hell, man. You're picking to stay or leave. <laughs> You're already in the predicament, but Jesus loved God, loved the world so much that He sent His only Son to come and die. He sent His only Son. He loved the people in the pit so much that He sent His Son. You know? He didn't even throw a rope down, dude. He came down there and got you. He came down there with his climbing gear. Jumped down there, came in the pit with you. That's what Jesus did. He came into the pit with you. And then he said, guess what, guys? I'm not staying in this pit. 
I'm leaving. Who wants to go with me? That's what Jesus, there was no rope, man. Jesus came in the pit and he said, I got the climbing gear. You don't. I'm climbing out of the pit. Do you want to go with me? Hop on his back and he's taking you up out of the pit now. You go wherever Jesus goes, man. Whatever Jesus has, that's what you have. If you go with him. Faith is just climbing on his back. Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. See what I'm saying? But he came here, became like a man, went through the same things you went through, died, went into death. He went into death down in the pit. But he didn't stay there. He came back up and said, anybody who wants to come with me, they can come with me. But we get offended, man. People get offended by the gospel. That's not, that's not offense, man. That's good news. That's good news, man. <clears throat> it's good stuff, man. God is awesome. God is awesome. We'll have to teach on this maybe tomorrow. Uh, I'll teach on this tomorrow because this is stinking awesome. But I just felt led to teach on that today. Um, and right in the middle of my Bible study. And God is awesome, man. If you've never received Jesus... Then just say this prayer with me and just bow your heads. If you want to know Jesus and you want Jesus to take you out of your pit, and I'm talking about just a physical pit, I'm talking about an eternal pit into heaven, to go with Jesus into heaven. And it's not just going into heaven. He wants to come and invade earth with you. He wants to transform your life, and he wants you to go get other people out of pits. Don't sign up for this thing. Do not follow Jesus if you're not willing to go get people out of a pit. I'm just going to say that right now. Don't save your own skin and be a coward and don't go out and say, I'm not going to go out there and help other people. That's cowardless. And, there, and the Bible says all cowards will go to hell. So you'll nullify your confession of faith if you're a coward. If you want to go and help, if you want to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, then I'm going to pray right now. But when you do this thing, you're signing up and you're enlisting into the kingdom of God and you're becoming a soldier for the kingdom of God. And now it's your job to go out and save other people with Jesus. If you, if you say, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. If I, I don't want to go do the hard stuff with Jesus. Then don't sign up. Do not profess Jesus as Lord because it's going to cost you everything and you're going to hate it. Okay. You're going to be deceived. If I tell you anything else, if you're not willing to go and help other people get set free with the kingdom of God, do not pray this prayer. Okay. We're going to pray right now. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, for your free gift of eternal life today, Lord. I give you my life. I thank you, Lord, that you died for me to take away my sin. You rose again to give me new life. And I thank you, Father, for what you've done for me in your love. Today I give you my heart once and for all. And I make you the boss. I make you the, the master. I make you the Lord of my life and today I don't belong to myself any longer today I belong to you Jesus take my life transform it and make it new I want to serve you the rest of my life in Jesus name amen love y'all be blessed share this video everybody needs to hear it